Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. Thank you, Peter. What a, what a beautiful image uh, that is portrayed there with the anointing of oil. Uh, well, welcome. My name is Anthony, one of the pastors here, and uh, I get to preach this morning. And we are continuing our series uh, in goodness, looking at goodness. I want to start by just sharing a, a, a story, actually. I heard this story this morning, and I've asked if I was allowed to share it. And this is Rob's story, the guy who's on sound. Uh, who's been doing sound now for probably about six months, maybe a little bit longer. Uh, he, he recently started coming to the church maybe a year or two ago uh, and uh, really started, uh, made a commitment and started uh, praying and asking God, God, where do you want me serving? God, I've got uh, a few abilities, a few gifts that I, I could probably serve in different areas, but I really want you to show me where there is a need. Now, we could have had him uh, in children's ministry, he could have been mowing lawns, he could have been lots of different things, because there's lots of different ways you can serve here, uh, just like any other church. Uh, but he, he was, you know, Lord, I want to be used in where, where there's a need, uh, help me. And so he prayed this prayer, and, and then this opportunity came up, and he was on the sound. Uh, and that's a prayer you probably would want to ignore, because sound is a tough job. Uh, it's, it's a hard job. Uh, lots, of, lots of things can go wrong, and you've got to set up and pack down, and, and we have a faithful team who do that. But he, but he put his hand up, and he came in, and he learned. He's got a bit of a, a sound or a music background, and so he thought, God, this is a way I can use my gifts. And sometimes when you're using your gifts, it's not always uh, ice creams and Skittles. It can actually become a little bit hard and difficult, and things go wrong, and it's, you know, and, you know I'm supposed to be helping God and serving. Wouldn't there just be... Um, um, immense blessing and people will be coming up and saying you did such a great job on the sound today and you're our favourite person at Lakeside um, and that just wasn't happening <laughs> not that they weren't ignoring him or abusing him or anything but he started he said somewhat frustrating because again there has been some few sound issues uh, and, and it, is a, it is a hard job and so he said to me this morning and I just love this he said that he now he, 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 he was getting discouraged and this morning when he came and was setting up sound, he, uh, I don't know if it was during the worship when they, were, when they were practicing, he felt this overwhelming sense and warmth from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit kind of just came down on him uh, and just basically affirmed, um, and it wasn't me behind him with the heater because we're, we're, we're running out of sound people, but he, he felt affirmed and encouraged to stick it out, to persevere and keep doing this job. That, that you know what, you listen to me, thank you for that. I, I, I'm, I'm thankful that you're obedient. Be encouraged, he said, Rob, be encouraged and, and keep sticking it out. And I think that's just a great little story because it shows that we do have a God that does listen and sometimes we don't always get what we ask for, uh, but we do have everything that we actually need. Especially, we just sung that song uh, earlier, Waymaker, Promise Keeper. He, he gives us everything that we need. He provides everything that we need. And again, sometimes it's not exactly what we ask for, but he provides everything that we need. And in that moment, this little moment here this morning, Rob got what he needed to continue in sound. And I thank God for that. Um, amen. Let's put our hands together, Rob. Thank you, Rob. 
And maybe you've experienced that. And maybe even this morning you may be feeling a bit discouraged in life or whatever. And my prayer is that you too will experience and hear from God in some way, whether it be through that, whether it be through the word, whether it be through an encouraging, as someone come up and giving you an encouraging word of confirmation in your life. Let me pray and we will get into it this morning. Most gracious Father, thank you again. I thank you for everything that's happening in and through the people of Lakeside. Lord, we pray right now as we come to your word, we ask, just like we've heard in Rob's testimony, that your Holy Spirit would come in us now and open, illuminate the scriptures so that we may hear, think, meditate, reflect on, and then put into action, Lord. Where there's changes that need to happen, we would change. Uh, Where there's things that we need to have courage, you will bring courage. Uh, Lord, but we do ask that your spirit would do that in us individually and collectively. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, we continue, like I said, we're finishing the year the way we started. We're looking at goodness, our theme, aspects of goodness, uh, parts or scriptures that lead to developing a culture of goodness. And this morning, we come to Romans chapter 12, verse 9, and, and it's just a short little verse. And this is the Apostle Paul, and it's a great chapter, quite a famous chapter, uh, Romans chapter 12. Uh, But we just look at this one little verse, Romans 12, verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Love must be sincere. Uh, If you know the language there, it's obviously we think sincere means to be authentic, to be real, to be genuine, to be fair dinkum. And that word has this kind of roots of don't don't be a hypocrite. Hypocrite is someone who puts on a mask or a veneer and play acts. And he's saying as Christians, our love must be real. It shouldn't just be a fake love, but actually a real love. And then if you look through the rest of that passage, he goes on to demonstrate, well, what does a real love look like? But the start of it is this. He says, hate what is evil, cling to to what is good. Three real commands there. One, our love must be sincere. Then he says, hate what is evil. And then he says, uh, cling to what is good. Now, I don't know about you, but it seems somewhat strange that after a command to love or that your love must be sincere, the next command is to what? Hate. Love, your love must be real. Your love must be genuine. And now I'm commanding you to hate what is evil. We generally don't think of that in the sense of hate. Uh, hate is a strong word, isn't it? I say that we say to our children all the time, oh, when they say, I hate this or I hate that, I say, you know, hate's a strong word. Do you, do you really mean that? Yes, I do, Dad. I hate your cooking. You really, you know, do you really? And they use this word so easily, but it is a really strong word. And so when we associate it in the scriptures, but when we read and look through the scriptures, it actually refers to God-hating. So what's going on here? And right here we have this command to hate what is evil. I don't know if you remember or can reflect on the story in the, in the Gospels where Jesus uh, comes to the temple and, and he gets to the temple and, and he, what he sees is something he does not like. He sees merchants uh, selling uh, uh, offerings to, for people to bring into the temple, uh, but basically a commercial enterprise uh, happening in the temple. And he's furious. Not that there's anything wrong with selling the offerings, but he's, uh, we, we get this sense that they're overpricing it and, and people have come on long journeys, can't afford even to bring in an offering. And, and if you know that story, what does Jesus do? It says that Jesus gets a whip. He makes a whip. 
And he starts whipping people. He starts turning over tables. Jesus is angry. Here's the, here's the passage up here on, on, the, on the screen. It says, On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began drow- driving out those who were buying and selling there. I think the Gospel of Luke said that he made, made this whip, made this cord. But he's angry. He overturned the tables of money changers and benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And he also taught them. He said to them this, Is it not written that my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers? There's this righteous anger that Jesus brings. He says this is wrong. My house is a house of prayer, not commercial enterprise or abusing people uh, to, to, to have access to God. And he gets angry and he turns the table and he makes up a whip and he starts whipping people. And so when we look for a scripture, there is this righteous anger. There is even this hate. So right after this command to, that your love must be sincere, we get this command to hate what is evil. Now listen to this quote here by a guy by the name of Keith Brooks. He says, the man or the person who cannot be angry at evil lacks enthusiasm for good. Isn't that an interesting quote? That, that a person who cannot be angry at evil lacks enthusiasm for good. That if you can't get moved or get upset or get angry at things that are evil, then actually it's almost impossible for you to live in a way that is good. You just go through the motions. So this morning we, we concentrate on this. Love must be sincere. Uh, hate what is evil. Look here at the message. The message says it like this. Run for, or for dear life from evil. So run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Some of the other translations say this. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave. If you know that word, you probably in the marriage passages, cleave means to cling to or to be at your closest point. Cleave to that which is good. Then detest what is evil, cling to what is good, hate everything that is evil and hold tight to everything that is good. Regard with horror what is evil. Do we regard with horror what is evil? Do you regard with horror what is evil? Or has it just become so much part of society that you don't even, you don't even notice it there? Then it says cling to what is right. So what is Paul saying? The first thing Paul says is this, and I want to write it on this, this butcher paper. What is, uh, apart from love, our love must be sincere. He says we must hate. Oh, wow, that's a good texter. Hate. What does he say? What are we meant to hate? Evil. So he says hate evil. Now we've got to get a bit of an understanding for this word hate, because when the Bible talks about hate, it can use a, a few different persuasions or a few different shades of what it's talking about with this word hate. The first one is this understanding or this, this concept of hate, which is a sustained ill. Uh, this hate comes with nastiness, vindic- vindictiveness, spitefulness, meanness. This is what this hate is associated with. The kind of hate that becomes consuming or a consuming emotion where you are trying to seek or bring harm to the object of your hate. That's not what Paul is talking about here in this reference to the word of hate. But we see that throughout scripture as well. The second shade of hate is where we see the word hate used to describe a lesser 
uh, value or to say that it's, uh, uh, you must love to a lesser degree. I don't know if you can think of any descriptions or, or any f- references in the Bible. Well, if you, if you can remember, Jesus says that you must hate what? Your mother and your father and all that kind of stuff. Uh, if you want to follow me. Now, was he saying uh, hate as in what's referring to here? No, he's saying, uh, hyperbolically, I suppose, he's saying, you must love your parents less than you love me. And he's getting the point across. Hate. So he's saying, to a lesser degree, you must love your mother and father and so on. And then there's this concept, and probably this is, this is especially in the New Testament, when we see this, this concept of hate, meaning a strong dislike but without any intent to bring harm. Because Jesus says, love your enemies. Okay, so, so there can be a strong dislike without any intent to bring harm. The hater just wants to avoid the object of hate because they feel a dislike or a disgust towards it. So this is what we see here in what Paul is saying here, that there needs to be a moving away from hate. A moving away from hate, turning one's back on hate and have nothing to do with that. Now, he's referring to that the object of our hate should be evil, the evil that is happening in this world. Look at these passages here in uh, different parts of the Bible. 2 Timothy 2.22 says this, Flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace uh, with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Psalm 34.14 says, Turn from evil. So this concept of turning away from evil and do good, seek peace and pursue it. Uh, A lot of these passages echoing this Roman passage. There's this contrast between bad or evil and good. Psalm 45 says, let those who love the Lord hate evil. Amos 5.15 says, hate evil, love good. Pretty simple. Amos, not mucking around, not beating around the bush, just hate evil, love good. And so this is this concept to turn, to run, to flee, have nothing to do with evil. Now, what I want to say before we move on, I want to clarify two things. The first thing is Paul's not saying, and I'm not saying, that we turn our back on the evil that is happening in the world. He's not saying that we turn our back on the evil. So, for example, if we were to turn our back on the evil that happens in the world, there would be no catalyst group where the evil of of child labour and and, and, and slavery that exists still in this world. And he's not saying, Christians, turn your back on the evil that is happening on the world, the abuse, the the injustice. No, in fact, when we look through scripture, we are to advocate for those who don't have a voice. We're actually to care and to have compassion and to show love. So, So he's not saying, turn your back on the evil in the world. This is from an individual perspective. He's saying that this is a reference to us as individuals turning away from being evil. We should hate evil. So it's not a turn our back on evil. And the other thing is, I think we need to understand, because we live in a world today that probably pushes against this aspect of right and wrong, of good and bad, of evil and good, that actually we believe that there is a a, a right and a wrong, that we do believe, the Bible talks about there is a good and a bad, that there is an evil and and a good. And this moral relativism where we can just make up 
what we think is good and we think is bad. Look at this quote or this definition of moral relativism. It says, moral relativism is the view that ethical standards, morality and position of right or wrong are culturally based and therefore subject to a person's individual choice. Now, there is an aspect of truth to this that different cultures, different societies, different communities have different understandings of right and wrong. But if you would examine them that, uh, around the world, there are some very similar or core aspects of that. But then it goes on to say, we can all decide what is right for ourselves. You decide what's right for you, and I'll decide what's right for me. Moral relativism sorry, says it's true for me if I believe it. Now that sounds great, but the Word of God doesn't say that. The Word of God actually says the Bible distinguishes between good and evil, and, and both of them is real. Both of them is real. There is such thing. There is such thing as an objective good and evil outside of myself. Regardless of what I think, regardless what view I have of it, the Bible says it's evil, it's evil. The Bible says it's good, it's good. Now, the confusing bit is we live in a society where they've kind of flipped that around. And, and the things that are actually evil, they're saying is good. And things that are good, they're actually saying is evil. And so it's even more important for us to, to, to live out this scripture, to hate evil and cling to what is good. So they're the two clarifying points. Look at what First Thessalonians says. We, we need to be able to discern, examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Abstain from every form of evil. Now, it's very easy for us to think that, that when we, we, we think of evil, it's in something else. It's not in me. Uh, and evil is, again, a strong word. Have a look at this quote by, uh, again, I'll probably butcher the pronunciation of this guy's name, Alexandra. There it is. Um, and he wrote a book. He did some study of, I, I can't remember if it was Russian, when I was reading about it, Russian uh, prisoners. And look what he writes. If only it were so simple. If, if there only were evil people somewhere uh, insidiously committing evil deeds and it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through what? through the heart of every human being. That's, that's our sin. All of us have the potential to do harm. All of us have the potential to do what is wrong. And so that's why this, this is so important, because Paul says, hurt, hurt, run from evil, turn from evil, hate evil. Now, when you become a Christian, you're a new creation. You've been declared righteous before God and, and the spirit comes and lives inside of you and your life needs to be moved and shaped and you, you become more like Christ. That is the, the, the process of sanctification. And ultimately, we get that, you, that won't happen here on earth. You won't be fully glorified until you, until you go to heaven. But the point I want to say here is that all of us have the ability to do what is wrong, to do what is wrong. And so here's my, my, my challenge before we move to the rest of the text. What evil do I need to run from? What evil do I need to run from? Is it evil? So let's get this because this is what the passage is saying. There's evil that we need to run away from. I'll throw this as far as I can. Oh, that's a pretty poor effort. But it's saying get away from it. Have nothing to do with it. What evil do you need to run from? What evil do you need to hate, to turn your back on, to have nothing to do with? 
because it's dragging you down. It's capturing you. It's pulling you in. And then we get this other instruction. So he says, hate evil, run from, flee from, have nothing to do with it. And then what is the next uh, uh, instruction? He says, cling. What do we have to cling to? Good. Or cling to what is good. Cling to good. So he says, cling to good. Cling to what is good. Hate what is evil. If you love to be sincere, you've got to hate what is evil, run from evil. And then the other aspect is cling to what is good. Now this word cling literally means stick to. This, this means to, to be joined to. Again, if you look at the, the, the verses that talk about cleaving to your husband and wife, that's the closest you can get to with another human. And, that, and that's the same word here. We need to cling to what is good. Uh, translations we've already had a look at. Uh, join, unite, embrace, hold fast to, keep close, hold together. And, and what Paul is saying here to the, the Roman Christians then and to us today, he's saying cling to what is good. His desire, Paul's desire for them and for us is that we are to embrace moral goodness with all our beings. The word good, this good understanding here of goodness here is moral goodness, moral excellence. Now, even as Christians, we've kind of pushed against that because to, to pursue moral goodness now is you, you can fall, it can become legalistic or trying to look good on the outside. And that's in the extreme case and the wrong part of that. But as Christians, we are called to live moral lives. We are a royal priesthood. We are a, um, a royal priesthood means we are set apart. We are saints. We are, we are set apart. Now, positionally, Christ makes that a reality, but we are, in union with the Holy Spirit, want to pursue that. Want to pursue that. We want to live holy, good, goodness-filled lives. And sometimes, even in the church, we kind of say, ah, it doesn't really matter. Jesus died for my sins. Yes, that is true. But most of the scriptures in the, the epistles calling us to do what? To live in that truth. Last week, Braden talked about the motivation of goodness is, again, we come back to the cross of Jesus. He's what motivates us to live good lives. But actually, there needs to be a desire to want to do what is right, to live morally pure lives. Do we always get that right? No. We get knocked down. We make a mistake. We start again. But there needs to be a desire to do what is right. Right. Um, J- Jaden, can you come up here, mate? Everyone give Jaden a clap. He's going to be my model for today. He's done a great job. I said I wouldn't embarrass him, so can you take your top off? No, keep your top on. So, so this, this, this passage here says cling to what is good. Uh, Paul is saying we have to cling uh, to what is good, not what we love. He doesn't say cling to what you love. He doesn't say cling to what you desire. He doesn't say cling to what everyone else in our society is clinging to. He doesn't say cling to what is easy. He says cling to what is good. Now, it's always good. I love visual pictures. So you're going to come here, face that way. Just stand there so no one can see what I'm doing. This won't take long. I don't think it'll take long. Well, how, how expensive is that T-shirt you're wearing? All right, here we go. So I'm going to rip this off. 
This says cling to what is good. Now, I've actually put a little bit of glue on there, not too much. And we're going to go like this. Oh, is it working? Oh, we might have to do that as well. <laughs> Sorry, it's not church day. Tuck it in, mate. No, no, it's good. It's good. Is it? All right. Okay. That is literally what Paul is saying. So when you think of this passage, I want you to think of Jaden with a piece of butcher's paper stuck on his chest. Clinging, that's the closest you can get to it. Look at this passage here in Colossians. Stay there. Um, it says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, that means set apart. That's the bit I was talking about. Dearly loved, clothe yourself. What's the closest thing to your body? Clothes. So it's, it's, it's the same, uh, different metaphor, but the same thinking. Cling to, at the closest you can get to, clothe yourself with what is good. He goes on and lists it. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. He goes on and on and on. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them together. So that's what he's saying. You want to get as close as you can to what is good. You want to wear goodness. Turn your back like over there, hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Give Jaden a clap. You're lucky that glue wasn't sticking. You can walk down. If that falls off, you need to come to confession. All right. Good on you, Jaden. Thanks, mate. So think of that clinging. So then I started to think and I asked around the office this week, what, is, what does it actually mean to cling to what is good? It's, you know, that's what the passage, but practically, what does it mean to cling to what is good? Now, we know that God is good, that God is good. And so, therefore, an aspect of that is our closeness to God. And so I'm going to give us a few little, little pointers, four or five, of how we can cling to what is good. There could be numerous others that you may know of, that you may practice. The first one is we let go. The first one is we let go. What are we letting go of? What are we letting go of? Well, if your hands are full... It's hard to cling. If you're holding on to stuff, if you're holding on to baggage, not even stuff that is evil or stuff that can be sinful, if you hold on to that, you can't cling to what is good. So if, you, if you're holding on to anger and bitterness or not righteous anger or wrong anger or bitterness or unforgiveness, if you're holding on to that stuff, it's actually really hard to cling to what is good. And I don't know if you've experienced that. When you've had resentment, when you've had, uh, again, bitterness, when you've, you've had this kind of stuff, unforgiveness, pride, insecurity, when you have those things, I find it even hard to spend time with God because they just get in the way. And so, so we need to firstly let go of that stuff so we can actually hold on to or cling to what is good. So that's the first thing. So if there's stuff in your life like unforgiveness or pride and, and maybe the Holy Spirit is just laying some things on your heart, you just need to release them and say, Jesus, take them, take them, take them, take them. I want to cling to what is good. Okay, I don't want to, I, I want to let go of all those things. Again, our goodness as believers, our righteousness, our moral excellence starts with knowing Jesus first when we say yes to him. And then on, from there on, it's a partnership between us and the Holy Spirit. And so when we're not feeling quite right, when we're struggling to come to God, it's a good chance there's something we need to let go of. So the first one is let go. 
Second one, I've got a feeling the font's going to muck up. The second one is very cliche, and I, rang the, uh, I uh, spoke to Peter this week, and, and I said, how do we cling to, to what is good? And we both talked, because we're pastors, we said, well, you read the Bible. And we're like, oh, it seems like we say that every week. <laughs> but it's a core to what we are meant to do as Christians. We need to read the Word of God daily. God's Word is good. The words in here are good. The primary way that God communicates to us is through His Word. Yes, He pr- communicates through prayer, through, through affirmation from other people, through, through His Spirit, absolutely. But the primary way is through the Word. And if we want to be cl- clinging to God, we need to come to His Word. So we let go and, and we, we read the Word of God daily. Think of it like a sponge. If I was to get a big a sponge that you use to wash a car and I was to put that sponge in a bu- uh, bucket of water and then I lift it out, what happens to the sponge? It takes everything, it soaks up the water, doesn't it? It's quite heavy. It's full of water. Now, the Christian life is that we come to the Word of God, we dip, we, we fill up, we become heavy and then we're supposed to go out in our community and, and release the sponge in acts of goodness and telling people about Jesus, and then we come back to the water uh, because if we just if we just stayed in the water, we just become fat Christians in the sense of we just take on, take on. It's it's about reading, understanding, and then dispersing. But we need to come to that bucket, that well, and be refilled, and be refilled, and be refilled. We do that through the Word of God. Read the Word of God daily. Hate evil, run from evil. If we want to cling to good, we let go and we read the Word of God daily. Uh, I, I don't know if I've shared this with you before. There was a time when uh, we were visiting a church. It was a really big church and they had great worship and, and I'm sitting there and then the preacher comes up and starts preaching and I'm just thinking, this, this guy's average. You know, he thinks he's cool. You know, he's got preachers with sneakers. He's, he's got all the latest gear and he's using illustrations and I'm thinking... You know, why are these people even laughing? His jokes aren't even funny. And, and then I started to spiritualise it. Oh, what he's preaching on is not even biblical. You know, he's taking that out of context. And, and then it was just, I was sitting there. Um, if, if people could see what I was thinking, oh, man. And, and, and then the Holy Spirit reminded me of the passage I read in my quiet time that morning. Look at the passage I read in the quiet time that morning. This is what I read uh, here in, from, where is it? First Corinthians up on the screen. There it is. First Corinthians says, uh, now this is talking about not comparing Apollos and Paul, not to compare with other Christians or other ministries. This is what I read in that morning. What, after all, is Apollos and what is poor? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each task. I planted a seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters anything, but only God who makes the things grow. And the point of that is not to compare between, and here I was comparing. The reason I tell you that is because the word of God, which I read that morning, helped me cling to what is good. Because in that moment, I had to repent and say, man, I'm sorry. I emptied my wallet in the offering. I did everything because I felt I was thinking and doing the wrong things. But only because of what? The soaking of the sponge, the, the reading of the word of God. And that's the same. And maybe you've experienced that as well. 
when you come to the word of God, he helps you cling to what is good. The second one, again, very, a third one, sorry, third way we cling to God, Christian cliche, but so, so true. We need to pray continually. These are just Christian basics, but this is what it means to cling to what is good. Let go, read the word of God daily, pray continually. The thing about clinging to God, it's all about being close to God, how close we are. The further away from God, we can't cling. We're at our closest with God when we are praying. Because praying is talking to God. Look what this uh, scripture said, Psalm 145, 18 says, The Lord is near. The Lord, everyone say that, the Lord is near. To all who call on him. Only the first bit, but that's okay. So what it's saying is, when you pray, the Lord is near. If, if clinging to goodness or clinging to God is an issue of being close, we are at our closest when... Jesus is ringing someone. When we pray. The Lord is near to all who call on him and to all who call on him in truth. Uh, look at First Thessalonians 5 up here on the screen. It says, rejoice always, pray continually some translations say without ceasing give thanks in all the circumstances that God is uh, will for you in Christ Jesus pray continually now how do you pray continually if you were to take this literally it means you wouldn't sleep you'd just be praying non-stop all 24 hours a day and there's there's uh, monks and, and Christian brothers that go off and try to pray and I'm not saying that's wrong but you it's impossible to pray continually I think what the passage is saying here is that we have to, we always keep the line open with God. Have you ever been pocket dialed? When uh, I always get pocket dialed because most, because my name's Anthony starting with A, I'm at the top of the list and, and I'll be like, hello, hello. And you can hear people moving out, moving their bag and doing stuff. It's me. And I can hear, and sometimes I just sit there and eavesdrop for a while, hear what they're saying. But it's, it's that open line with God, it's there. And in Jewish custom, they would pray three times a day. In the morning, even to today they do that. They pray in the morning, in the middle of the day, and the evening. And, and what that's saying is they're praying continually because God is uh, a part of their day throughout the day, all day. Praying continually. Clinging to God means to, and we're at our closest when we pray. So we let go, we read the word of God daily, we pray continually. Look at these passages. Uh, um, no, 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 we've done with those passages, we've done those. Let's go to the next point. Do the next right thing. So do the next right thing. What does this mean? We let go of all those things that are holding us back so we can let, cling. We read his word, we pray continually, and then there's action. There's action. There has to be action. Doing good. That's what we're called to do as Christians. We are called to do good. We're called to be good and we're called to do good. Clinging to God means that we actually do what is right. And so this concept is the very next thing I'm going to do the right thing. In my thoughts, in the way I speak, in my actions, in my interactions with people, in the things that I'm doing. The next thing I'm doing is the right thing thing. Look at this, uh, 3 John 1, 11 says up here on the screen, dear friend, do not uh, imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Man, that's some strong language. Do the next right thing. Look at what First Peter says here. 
up on the screen again. First Peter says, For God called you to do good. That's actually what we're called to do. If we've been confused of what we're meant to be doing here, we're actually called to do what is good, even if it means suffering, even if it means being picked on, even if it means being teased, whatever, even if it means that. Just as Christ suffered for you, he, uh, he is your example and you must follow in his steps. For God called you to do what is good. Uh, last, well, a couple of weeks ago, me and the kids, not Siobhan, she was at home. We went out to Vic Park to get some dinner and uh, we parked the car. I don't know if you've been to Vic Park lately. It was, it was packed. There was people everywhere. And we hopped out of the car. And one of the th- first things we noticed was actually there were quite a lot of homeless people along the side of, of the main drag. And, they, and the kids noticed and they're like, Dad, what are these people doing? They're homeless people. Um, what's going on here? And uh, there was a sense as we walked past, I'm like, man, are you looking at them? And, you know, I had enough money in my wallet or my, my pocket to give them something, but I didn't. I even felt a prompting to do something, but I didn't. Walked in and, and we had our Chinese. It was excellent, beautiful, uh, vegetarian. The kids ate meat. But anyway, we had the Chinese. Now, Siobhan wasn't there, so I thought we'll do the right thing. We'll order her a meal. So we waited. We ordered her uh, a beautiful meal put it in a little container, had a bag. The kids, initially, when we first sat down, they talked, we were asking about the homeless people, you know, what's going on there? They've got nowhere to live. Do you think they have food? And then we kind of moved on and ate our mountain load of food, and it tastes so great, and, and we forgot about them. And uh, as we came out, though, I had my bag, my Chinese takeaway from my wife, she, big ticks, she's going to love me. And there was another homeless guy sitting there. And I felt this, again, I have, it, it was like, you've got that food, Siobhan doesn't need it. Um, why don't you give it, to the, give it to this guy? Oh, and I'm thinking, oh, he could get a job if he really wanted to. He's going to use it to sell drugs. All these things, you know, these things that you, you make up. You don't know his story, but you've got all these things. And right there, I decided, no, I'm going to give him this. I said, mate, do, we, I'm not going to give you money, but do you want this food? And he said, absolutely. Pulled out, he had a little, um, some knives and forks. And the kids were like, dad, you gave, you gave away mum's food. I'm like, don't tell her, don't tell her. <laughs> First thing Josiah did when we got home, Mom, Dad gave away your food. <laughs> but do the, do the next right thing. I didn't do the first right thing, but then I knew this. Do the next right thing. Do it, take it up, be good, do good. Um, do the next right thing. Because when you do that, that puts good into action. That puts good into action. So let go, read the Word of God daily, pray continually, do the next right thing. And and the final one is this, commit and connect to church community. You could say Christian community. Did I spell it wrong? Yeah, even that, crunch, crunch community. (laughs) Connect to church community or Christian community. Some people get hung up on the word church. Oh, you know, if you have to come to church, it's it's legalistic. And again, I think there's uh, something wrong there. Something's wrong there because church should be a priority in our lives or Christian community should be a priority in our lives. If we're clinging to what is good, and it's not to say the church is perfect, especially when it's spelt wrong, but, but, and there's, there's mistakes there and there's even hurt and pain there. But this is the vehicle that God, Jesus has said that we are to operate in. And there is much good in the church. That when we come together, there can be encouraging, there can be equipping, there can be supporting. And not only that, you receiving it, but you giving it. You get to 
uh, work out goodness, by showing goodness, by doing goodness. Look what Hebrews here, Hebrews 10, 23 to 25. It says this, Let us hold unswavely to the hope we profess, for he, for he who promises faithful, God who promises faithful, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and what? Good deeds. And then he says this, Not giving up meeting together, as some of you are in the habit of doing. Average church attendance across Australia for, for People who profess to be Christians is one in four. One in four. How many times a year will that be? What? Twelve? Is that twelve? Does anyone want to say it's twelve? Is it twelve? Thirteen. Twelve times a year. That's not a lot, is it? Is it twelve? Now everyone's looking at me like thirteen. We'll go with thirteen. Fourteen, okay. We'll go four. It's still not a lot. The point is we, we, we have watered down that and say, you know what, it, you don't have to come to church to be a Christian. 100% you don't. You don't have to come to a church like this either. But you need to come together in Christian community. There needs to be a coming together in Christian community. In fact, if you don't, there's something like 30 commandments you can't obey and live out if you aren't connected in Christian community. Christian community is not perfect, but if we want to cling to what is good, it's, it's one way of doing that. It's one way of adding to that. Uh, let me read this uh, quote. It's not up, not up on the screen. Max Licardo, just to close. Uh, he says this, Quish, uh, question, uh, Questions can make hermits out of us if we have unresolved questions about God. Can make hermits out of us, driving us into hiding. Yet the cave has no answers. Christ distributes courage through community. He dissipates doubts through fellowship. He never deposits all knowledge in one person, but distributes peace or pieces of the jigsaw puzzle to many. When you interlock your understanding with mine and we, we share our discoveries, when we mix, mingle, confess and pray, Christ speaks. It's in community that we do Christianity and it's in that that we can cling to what is good. So we let go. Is there anything you need to let go of today? We read the word of God daily. Absorb it. Soak it up like a sponge. We pray continually, meaning we have an open line, an open dialogue to, to God throughout the day. It might just be little popcorn prayers, but we, we, and then we take time, maybe start the middle and the evening to, to pray to God. We do the next right thing. What is the next right thing? When you leave today, there's going to be an opportunity 100% to do the next right thing. It may be an action, it may be a thought, it may be a word that you speak, but do the next right thing. Put goodness into action and finally commit and connect to church community. Let me pray. Most gracious Father, we thank you again for your word. Father, we thank you as we come here this morning and we hear this, that our love must be sincere. Lord, we want our love to be sincere. We know we don't always get that right. Father, help us uh, as individuals and as a church to hate what is evil, to run, to flee, to not live in that, in that, uh, that, that dirt of the world. And it can look so attractive, Lord, but, but it just captures you and it, and it wants to take over your, your life. So, Father, help us to, to flee and run from evil. Lord, help us to cling, to, to stick to what is good. To, to be close to you. And Father, maybe this morning there's some of us here that need to just let go of something 
Let go of something that's stopping us from clinging to you. I don't know what that is, Father. Just maybe sit now and just think if, if that's you, just release whatever it is. Just push it aside. Maybe bitterness, maybe anger, maybe pride. Just say, gone. God, take it away. Father, we want to be close to you because to be close to you is to be close to what is good. Lord, whether that's through your word, remind us to do that. Speak to us through your word, through prayer. Father, help us to put that into action by doing the next right thing, Father. And Father, maybe we we need to commit a little bit more in regards to our Christian connection and encouraging other believers or connecting with other believers. We thank you, we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.